Oh, sorry. Whew. Tell you what, eight o'clock. It's uh, it's too late to start a podcast, really. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. I'm Adam Bayfield and I'm the host of the show. <laughs> and joining me on the telephone is my lowly co-host, Tony Kerr. Well, yeah. I mean, I've been, my inbox has been overflowing with praise, Adam. It's always nice to hear from your mum, isn't it? But um, <laughs> I, I'm glad to hear that, uh, that someone's, someone's given you some encouragement. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been fun while it lasted. Keys to the castle, but yeah. It, it was a good run. Yeah, it was a good run. How's it going anyway, Tane? Uh It's good, thanks. Did you have a good weekend? I haven't asked you that for a while. True, actually. Yeah. Uh, no, very, uh, yeah, good. Pretty solid. No, uh, nothing too disgraceful went down. Nothing that we need uh, Sue Gray to investigate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure she'd have a field day. Um, no, it's all yeah, all above board, which is good, all within the rules. <laughs> good. That used to be mostly what this podcast was about. It was like Tony's weekend and a little bit of cricket. But yeah, yeah. Haven't, uh, have you just become boring, Tony? I haven't. I, haven't yeah, I think so. I need to start having bigger weekends. Him. Definitely need to start having bigger weekends. But yeah, no, it's all good. I suppose the pandemic's really put a damper on those sort of things, hasn't it? So. That's in our management plan, our World Cricket Show management plan for this year. Tony have our strategy for this year is Tony needs to have bigger weekends. <laughs> I mean, I really, really if we're, get... we're going to take this podcast on, Tony, you need exactly. to start going out. I mean, you should really. We should really be talking about the revenue split, for the the yeah, the the, the world cricket show riches. Um, the the perhaps you know we we divert a few of those funds to my weekend. I'm sure, that Rubicon money will where there's still <laughs> yeah, still going. Little, still haven't run out of it. Yeah. Little pot somewhere, isn't there? Anyway, um, we've got lots of cricket to talk about today, Tone. Um, well, because speaking of you know big weekends and you going out, it's time to uncork the champers, Tone. Have you have you got some champers there ready? I can see we're we're doing this on Zoom. We've lately we've just been doing audio. I think I think largely because you've been in bed, not wearing many pajamas. Um, but but today we've got the video on your setup, looking uh, very fresh and clothed in your living room, so I can actually see you. So you know we could have had like a little drinks party here, Tane, because it's it's time to celebrate because it's not going to be five nil. The Ashes will not be five nil after England managed to secure a draw in Sydney, four nil. We're gonna <laughs> lose four nil. It's exciting, Tane. It is, isn't it? It is. I mean, I like also I like the fact that you know we've basically we've been doing Ashes Daily and to an ep or to a, a, a bulletin, we've been sort of somewhat depressed, or verging on very depressed and disillusioned. So the first actual good day of cricket, well, properly good day of cricket from an England perspective, or potentially like yeah, something to celebrate. We just thought, nah, we'll wait till Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. We didn't do the Ashes Daily on that day. Well, we haven't been doing Ashes Daily on day five, have we? Just because true, kind of feels like we can't do that. It'd be silly to do that than a full episode, you know, because we'll we'll just repeat ourselves. But we'll probably repeat ourselves <laughs> from, from the first four days, I imagine. You know, it's quite a lot of content to churn out four podcasts on a test match and then be like, and now let's just do a podcast to review the test match. 
Um, so apologies to listeners who have been tuning into Ashes Daily if we do repeat some of those points. But we've got a lot to talk about. There are a lot of talking points to get into, Tone, on this test match. So shall we dive into it? Let's go with it. I mean, there's a lot of good test cricket around in general this week, isn't it? It's, uh, well, that's a very good point, yeah, actually, Tone. We're, we're going to be talking to know about where to look. Some, some other stuff as well. We need to talk about New Zealand, Bangladesh, don't we? And we also need to talk about South Africa, India. So we will come on to that. But we will start with the Ashes because, yeah, after three pretty miserable tests, I think it's fair to say, miserable for England, kind of miserable for, for, for well, certainly for neutrals, I would imagine. Then Not much fun, those first three tests where they so one-sided. After those three games, uh, we had an actual game of cricket in Sydney with a genuinely very exciting finale. And it, for the first time, really, in the whole series, Tone, there was really a reason to kind of jump out of bed in the morning. <laughs> to think like I really want to get up and watch the cricket um, which well certainly not since like probably day one or day two in Brisbane that's the first time I really felt like that and it's quite good because because um, my son Teddy is, uh, is is waking up quite early at the moment he's waking up sort of five thirty, six o'clock and yeah the other morning when was that Sunday uh, kind of heard him come through on the monitor at like 5.30 and I just what was he of, saying like it's like Nine down, eight down. <laughs> yeah, he's come going. Come on, Dad, get up. Butler's out. Um, <laughs> but it's good because he's. I saw we sort of hear him, and I just kind of lean across to Elena and go, "Don't worry, I'll go. Don't worry, it's fine. I've got this one." And she's like, Are "You sure?" And I'm like, "Yeah, don't worry, it's fine. I'm up." <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a very exciting finale. To quickly whiz through what happened in the game, uh, Australia batting first made four hundred and sixteen for eight. Declared with Usman Khawaja back in the side after Travis Head uh, tested positive for COVID, making 137, a pretty remarkable innings. Stuart Broad took five wickets on his return to the side, but a, a big first innings total from Australia. England, in response, were reduced to 36 for four, but a very impressive recovery led by Johnny Bairstow, another man kind of back in the side. Uh, he made 113, Ben Stokes 66, and England eventually got up to 294, which meant they avoided the follow-on. Uh, and with a bit of rain uh, having fallen during the game as well, it, there wasn't that much time left. So Australia needed to back quickly on the fourth day, and they did. Uh, they were at one point 86 for four, but another uh, a fantastic partnership led again by Kawadra, who made his second century of the match, 101 not out. Cameron Green was 74 Australia declared on 265 for six. That's England, the notional 388. But the the real target was to uh, battle day on the fifth day to save the game. Australia chipped away with regular wickets. England at one point when there were five down, Bairstow with another decent knock of 41, Stokes with 60. It felt like you know they were they were kind of on the way to drawing the game, but then a, a couple of quick wickets, Pat Cummins removed. Uh, Butler and Mark Wood uh, in the space of three balls to beat England seven down. There was then more wickets. Bairstow was out and Jack Leach eventually was out uh, with, what, 2.1 overs to go. He fell to Steve Smith. So Anderson and Broad had to bat out a couple of overs and they just about managed to do it. Anderson patting back the final ball from Steve Smith. So England finished nine down and managed to secure the draw. So this was, Tone, this was that that kind of... uh, elusive and uh, and terrific thing that happens occasionally in Test cricket that we love, the nine-wicket draw. Obviously, you know, well, they, they are kind of some of the most memorable Test matches ever, aren't they, 
you, know, you immediately think of Cardiff 2009, you think of those tests in South Africa later that year. Um, you know, the list goes on, doesn't it? But there, there have been lots of, lots of other examples, but it is, it is always so memorable. So yeah, kind of test cricket at its best in a way. Obviously, this was a dead rubber, so perhaps lessen some of the impact. We can talk about that side of things, but you know, give us your give us your reaction. What was your kind of response to to this game, Tone? How do you how do you feel about it at this point? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I suppose we still haven't won uh, a test match. We've won, well, we've won on one tour, haven't we? So in the, in the last five down under. Um, so one what? We've only won one. We've only won a test match on one of the last five tours. Right. And obviously, there's one more to go in this tour. So, you know, we're coming from a we're sort of coming at it from a fairly low bar in terms of, of expectations, I guess. So, on that basis, this was bloody brilliant, wasn't it? It was, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, genuinely uh, sort of a, a, an afternoon or a day or an, a, a test match to savor. So. Yeah, I think we should we should celebrate it long into the night. But it was it was nice to be uh, reminded, I guess, of you know, just in case we'd started to forget, and to some extent, perhaps we had after yeah, say what had been a pretty miserable winter for England fans up till now. It was nice to be reminded of just how good Test cricket can be. You know, the first three Tests were so one sided, were not uh, competitive or enjoyable Test matches, and this. Was you know it, it it's such a joy to watch Test cricket when you get a finale like this and you know to have ten fielders around the bat in the final session and as many people pointed out you know this is one of the great things one of the great quirks of cricket is that the game ended with Smith bowling to Anderson so it was uh, arguably the best batsman in the world bowling to the best bowler in the world I mean kind of neither of those things is probably quite true at the moment but you know it's it's uh, it's true to some extent, and I, and for me, that is one of the things that makes cricket the best sport in the world. You know, it's the fact that. Uh, well, I, I thought about this. Do you remember when we went to watch the baseball tone when you and I were in Chicago some years back? When we went to watch baseball, yeah. And obviously, in baseball, there's the kind of specialist position, so batters bat and pitchers pitch, and you know. And one of the things I love about cricket is is that that's not the case, and that batsmen can bowl, but and bowlers have to bat. So you know, to see. Michael Vaughan bowl Sachin Tendulkar through the gate or to see, um, yeah, you know, Monty Panazar have to hold up an end and, and bat out to draw. And in this case, Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad kind of digging in because, I mean, obviously Jimmy Anderson is a much better batsman than you or I or most people listening to this. But nonetheless, you know, the he's not actually a international standard He's not internationally good at that thing that he's doing, but he's having to go out and face Pat Cummins and you know and, and the best bowlers in the world. So that, I, I've, I've loved that about cricket that that has to happen. And um, yeah, to, to end with Smith bowling to Anderson, it's just it's so kind of weird in a way, or it, it, it should be so. On the face of it, it's so kind of strange, but it's it's glorious. Yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, you know, you, obviously you mentioned. Um... You mentioned Cardiff 2009, and uh, uh, it's Anderson here again, which is which is kind of remarkable, isn't it? Um, uh, for him to have a, another episode like this, whatever, 13 years later, obviously he didn't have quite as many balls to face out this time as as uh, back in Cardiff. But uh, yeah, there's some great some great um, patter emerging after the game from Anderson about you know about what was said between him and Broad and, and him and Smith afterwards. Um, 
yeah, it was it was a pretty special finale, uh, as you say. It, it's there is there is something magical about those kind of passages of Test cricket for sure. Um, the, like the tension, the fact it, it's almost like I've probably made this analogy before, but it's 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 kind of like when you're a kid and you've you're you're in a, uh, you're sort of beyond a point on a video game that you've been before, and you know sort of one one mistake could kind of cost all that hard work. Um, I mean, it's very similar to that, isn't it? It's, I've, I've, you know, I've experienced exactly that anxiety. But yeah, that, that was it, isn't it? You know, a, a whole day um, of battling from England um, and some some good stuff and some less good stuff, I guess, uh, and, and a bit of rain. But yeah, had had it, you know, had Australia nipped through in the last couple of overs and, and snatched a victory. Um, you know, obviously we, we're having a very different conversation now, and and you know, we're off to Hobart looking to avoid the 5 nil, So, I mean, yeah, England, England's players should take a lot, of, um, a lot of satisfaction from the way they dug out or dug in. I'm sure that's what Jimmy Anson was thinking as he walked out to bat. He was probably thinking, oh, this is just like Zelda. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, it was, well, it was hard not to be excited because it was, um, well, it was, it was a thrilling kind of sporting moment, wasn't it? But I, in a sense, I don't quite know how to feel about it because yeah, it, it was exciting, but there's no doubt that it was a lot less exciting than it would have been if the series was still alive. You know, if it, you know, imagine tone if that had been the first test of the series, we'd have you know we'd have blown a gasket, wouldn't we? But it you know it did lose something. An edge was taken off by the fact that it was a dead rubber. You know, it well remains to be seen what happens in the final test, and that will have quite a big impact on the narrative. If England get another draw or even a win, the narrative will be different. So if England will be considerably different to if England lose and it does end up 4-0. Um, we've talked a bit on Ashes Daily about whether it would be a good thing or a bad thing if that happens, you know, for England. You know, is it is it actually better that they get completely battered here and it forces some change? You know, there is a worry that after this game and if it, a, 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 some kind of result in Hobart, it would give England the opportunity to perhaps claim that maybe things aren't as bad as as has been suggested and they can just carry on as they are. And I, I think that would be um, hugely uh, wrong-headed. But I was pleased to see, Tane, that, you know, because I, I expected that Joe Root would come out beaming at the, at the, at the, at the post-match interview and be talking about what a triumph it was to, to secure that draw and how, you know, and to sort of be intimating that, that it, it shows that England are a good team after all and that, you know, they hadn't just hadn't put, performed as they know they can in the first three games. And he was, he was talking about how he was proud, obviously, of, of his team for the way they they dug in and, and, and fought. But I was glad to see that he was kind of keeping things in perspective, at least, because, yeah, I think it's important that we don't kid ourselves here. Like, it was a very exciting finale, but in terms of what kind of performance that was from England, it was a really, really good effort to dig in on the final day and that's definitely not to be dismissed but you know they were nowhere near winning the game I mean (laughs) if they were they were really far away from anything like that Australia declared twice here and also 60 overs were lost to rain over the course of the match including seven on the final day so and they finished nine down so but for the weather they definitely would have lost this game so and you have to ask the question is this as good as it gets for England in Australia? Is that, <laughs> is that what is? Do we consider this to be success? You know, they they still haven't made three hundred on the tour. Um, Kawaja now has more runs than any England batsman other than Joe Root after two innings. 
you know, they just managed to bat an entire day. These are very, very low bars. But yeah, they definitely, you know, they did. They put in a shift when they could have been rolled over. We probably would have expected them to be rolled over. And it is nice to see a contest. And also as something that we talked about on Asher Daily as well, they have had a lot thrown at them in the last couple of weeks, particularly with the, the COVID tests and the coaches being absent and everything. So it is it is creditable that they they they've managed to get a result here. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I agree with everything you just said, really. Um, we must all wrap it up there. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I, I think, I mean, that's one of the nice things as well, isn't it, about cricket in that, you know, okay, the series is long gone or very quickly gone. Um, but, but you know, a, a test match on its own, a, a, a test match at the SCG, yeah, has, has significance in its own right, as we said. And um, yeah, just if you just take it in isolation, there was stuff to enjoy here, as you say. Australia probably could have could have been um, a bit smarter with their declarations and, and probably uh, yeah, forced England's hand a little earlier. Uh, all the evidence suggests that England sort of did get away with it here somewhat. Um, but that said, there's enough. I mean, there's a whole kind of there's a little uh, uh, kind of sprinkle of, of positive notes. There. I mean, Zach Crawley seventy seven was about as an enjoyable innings as I've seen from an England player. I mean, in this series, obviously, I mean, okay, best those century, but um, he just, he looked the part, didn't he? He, uh, he was, he was like striking the ball so sweetly. Yeah. Played some fantastic shots. Yeah. It's, it's a shame he got out when he did. And again, you know, Cameron Green with the wicket there, you know, he's someone who's, who's got, you know, just a few wickets in the series, but yeah, seems to get uh, important ones. Um, but yeah, that that yeah, that's a real positive. And everything we've heard about Crawley over the last few years, you know, from you know, in terms of his kind of billing from county cricket, has been really positive. There's clearly a great player or a very good player there. Um, so hopefully that's the start of something to enjoy. Ben Stokes as well, twin sixties in the in the in the Test match again looks really good. Um, I was obviously pretty disappointed when he got out, but wonderful watching him stroke the ball around and yeah, some of the drives and the the aggressive shots were were fantastic to see. He, he had no build-up whatsoever, did he? You know, he's, he's had a, a very limited year for various reasons. Okay, four tests in, and he's, he's he's sort of starting again to look the part. You know, maybe we did it. Yeah, maybe everyone expected a little bit too much of him, or you know, he's obviously batting five, and he's one of England's most influential and important batsmen. So uh, I don't know. I don't know whether you would not have picked him in the yeah you know, for the first couple of tests and given him a bit of time because I don't know who else you know who else would have put in. Um, but yeah, he, he's certainly looking like he's getting, or he said he looked like he was getting back towards something like his best in this test match. Obviously, Johnny Bairstow did well, ate up you know ate up a uh, hundred and five balls on the final day as well. So that was impressive. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, there's there's just there's hints of of something to be positive about there. From a batting perspective, Root said that this may have been Bairstow's best performance in an England shirt. You know, and well, let's leave the the white ball, uh, his white ball performances as a separate thing. But in a Test shirt, I think it's hard to to disagree with that. Obviously, yeah, famous innings in South Africa when was that six years ago uh, when he batted with Stokes and Stokes got his double hundred. But in terms of like. Well, the the circumstance of this series, um, you know, coming in under that kind of pressure, it was a it was a fantastic innings that that and good to watch. And he was, you know, that kind of positive intent and taking on Nathan Lyon, 
I mean, I, as I said, as I, as I said on Ashes Daily, so I do feel there's a there's a bit of a kind of revisionist narrative emerging, which is that you know, oh, Bearstow's just been messed around. It's you know, if only England had like uh, managed him properly and and given him a given him a consistent position in the side that he'd have been fine. But you know, I just don't think that's the case. He really. He just looked completely hopeless <laughs> technically and was just getting clean bowled through the gate. And, you know, and he, he's had a lot of chances to make a go of it in the middle order and, and he's not been able to do it. So, you know, in a sense, he's a lucky boy that he's that England have given him yet another chance here. But, you know, there is, there's no doubt, he, there's no doubt that he's got the talent to succeed at this level. And if he has managed to sort something out technically, then it could be that this is a start of a new era for Bairstow, you know, a kind of renaissance uh, in his test career now. And if so, that's amazing. Um, and I'll be absolutely delighted because he is, you know, he, he could be part of the answer to England's middle order problem. But, you know, I'm, I'm keeping my powder dry slightly, but it was certainly very encouraging. You know, obviously there's going to be enforced changes, aren't there, for the fifth test. There's a lot of, a lot of injuries and and whatnot around, um, but then kind of looking already looking ahead to to perhaps how England begin to rebuild. I mean, you you know had we got through the series and kind of none no one had scored any runs. Um, you sort of wonder you know, you can't sort of drop it. You know, I don't know you well, maybe you can, but you probably wouldn't want to drop an entire batting unit. Um, and obviously, you know, Joe Root wouldn't have been dropped, um, and nor Ben Stokes, but. You know, Butler's clearly going to make way now. Um, and he won't play the final test where he's ruled out of that. So whether we see him again, well, like, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, for now, you know, he'll be rested from test cricket, won't he? Um, there's obviously uh, work to be done at the top of the order as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a, a better situation that England find themselves in if they've got, even if it is a player who's been in and out and, and has been around a, a while, you know, who's actually scored some runs, you know, that's, that's something you can actually kind of hang a hat on. So mm. I think, yeah, Bairstow's definitely earned himself a, a, a another little opportunity and yeah, and good luck to him. What should England do about Haseeb Hamid? You mentioned the problems at the top of the order. Grand total of 80 runs in four tests now. Uh, six consecutive single figure scores. I don't know. Is it? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because the, the only option would they do drop, and the only option really is to bring back Rory Burns, which might be the smart thing to do uh, of the two choices. But it feels difficult to do that given the decision they made to drop him, and given how you know what a tough couple of tests Burns had when he played. But is it kind of would it be unfair on Hamid to keep him kind of exposed in the firing line at this point? It's a very difficult one, isn't it? It is very difficult. Um, I, I, don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't actually know what the answer is on that. Joe Root and the, the coaching team will will know a bit more about the, the characters and, and what they look like in the nets, you know, in the, in the build-up to Hobart. Yeah, and we've got, com- we've, we've got complete faith in them, haven't we, after <laughs> exactly. what but, we've seen um, in this yeah. tour so far. What I'm saying is, though, I don't know, like, it, it's a probably toss a coin, isn't it, really? Yeah, well, it's it's really tough. So I mean, who, who, who do you want to destroy more? I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because as you say, going well, the, the Caribbean tour and you know the summer to come and, and for England's future, you can make any decision you like about who who to bring in. But for this next game, it really is Hamid or Burns, and it could be unfa- unfair on both of them. You know, whichever one plays, it, it might be unfair on them, or it might be you know detrimental to them. 
to actually play. I mean, the thing with Hamid is his, his technique looks solid, doesn't it? I mean, he looks to be in quite good order, but then he just keeps getting out and he keeps getting out for very low scores. So, I mean, there is a question, was he kind of rushed back into the test team a little quickly? You know, he's obviously had um, a difficult time of it over the last few years and was just has just started to kind of find his feet again at county level. And England are very keen, you know, we're very keen to get him back in because of the talent that he has and because of the potential that he showed when he played for England before. And that's understandable. But had Dom Sibley not, if, if Dom Sibley's form hadn't fallen off a cliff this summer, you know, he Hamid wouldn't be in this team now. So, that, you know, it's possible that he's been brought back into Test cricket before he was quite ready. I still believe he's going to be a test player, um, but that faith is being tested somewhat. It's being shaken a bit by what we've seen in these games. I, I mean, I think I probably would just pick him again. I don't, like at this stage, how much worse can it get for him in terms of his confidence and his self belief after six single figure scores? If it's eight single figure scores, how much worse is that? I mean, you've got some experience of this, I guess, Tony. Was it thirteen consecutive ducks in the end in your career? I mean, yeah, that's been that's been inflated was, over the years. Was there a big difference between nine consecutive ducks and twelve consecutive ducks? Not massively, and I, that, yeah, I wasn't dropped either. <laughs> <laughs> I was, my place was nailed down yeah. for some reason. Spoke to so, the, uh, the paucity of options, you know. Well, in exactly, and yeah, the England are not in a dissimilar situation, are they? I mean. Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, sort of medium or short, medium, long term, you're probably wanting to get Crawley down to three as well, are you not? So really England are looking for two openers so and they've got none. So I don't know. It's take your pick, really. I was pleased to see Jack Leach put in a good performance and 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 get some credit as well. You know, he he bowled pretty well here. He took four wickets um in Australia's second innings. Um, yeah, all right, Australia were kind of going for it then when they were sort of trying to step on the gas but but he still uh picked up those important wickets um and he batted well as well you know he, he batted i think 34 balls um ate up those balls and, and and almost got to the very end and you know as i say i think it's nice to see him put in that performance and and get a bit of credit because for me the the likes of Agnew i think have been very unfair on on leach there's been a lot of criticism gone his way I, I think he's a good cricketer. You know, I think I think he's mostly done well for England, with the odd exception. I think he's very tough mentally. That's what we've seen. That we saw that in India, um, kind of this time last year. I think we've seen that in this series after the the start he had in Brisbane. I'd say he's probably the sort of cricketer that England could do with more of. He's not had a great series here by any means, um, but I, I, the, the way he's been spoken about by some commentators is as though you know what is this guy doing here well he's actually you know he is the best spinner in England and he's done pretty well for England in a test shirt before he's not had a great series here but you know yeah anyway I'm, I'm just I'm pleased to to see him get a few wickets at least I'm not going to pretend that he's he's been brilliant um or, or done enough done what England needed him to do but he's a better player than than some have credited I think what about the next test then Tony we've got one test to go uh, in Hobart, it's a 4am start UK time, which is quite nice actually, isn't it? Because, you know, very tasty. Should be able to get up probably before lunch or Teddy will be getting me up before lunch and I'll just say to Elena, don't worry, I've got this. Um, 
You mentioned saying that um, you know there's some injuries knocking around in that England camp. Stokes, Bairstow, and Butler all at least doubts. Butler definitely ruled out. What would you do for the the team for that test? Yeah, I don't know. Well, Billings is on his way, isn't he? He's, tre- he's road tripping across Australia to get there. What was Who's out again? Well, Butler's definitely out. Butler's gone, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Stokes has got a side strain and is apparently going to be assessed. And Best obviously had a knock on the on the thumb, is it? Well, one of his digits anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we, we think <laughs> he will play, um, but probably won't be able to keep as he could have possibly stepped in for Butler otherwise. Um, so yeah, presumably Billings comes in as the keeper in place of Butler should I mean for me there's I really don't understand the point in playing Stokes if he's got a side mm. strain and he can't bowl you know it is a dead rubber I know England are trying to save a bit of face here but it's not worth it if if he ends up you know making that injury worse and is ruled out of the next tour or you know it sets him back I just don't think there's any point in that um I'd, yeah, I'd be leaving Stokes out, but that does raise a question of who comes in. You know, do they go back to Ollie Pope? Dan Lawrence is, is on the tour. I don't know if anyone has noticed, <laughs> but he, he comes in for me. I think, you know, Lawrence is best up to five, Lawrence at six, Billings at seven. I, Billings is an interesting one, isn't he? Because he's, you know, he's, he's been a sort of a solid white ball cricketer for England. He's never really been talked about as a test prospect. His, his kind of his biggest the biggest thing he's got going for him at the moment is that he's in Australia. And that's kind of, <laughs> that was the criteria for being picked. <laughs> yeah. But he had, I mean, he's had a very good big bash, um, which is a completely different format and largely irrelevant. But the commentators on that, I don't know how much truck to give this, but we're sort of, have been suggesting that, that Ponting's got hold of him because Ponting's kind of been working with him and that Ponting's kind of got hold of him and he's looking like a much more, you know, and is it's looking his techniques looking better than ever, and you know that, that he could be a a test player. I don't know. It it could just be a you know it, it it's kind of it's set up for him to be a one test wonder in some ways. But if he comes in and gets a score, he's with Butler gone presumably for quite a while. He's he's going to be putting his his hat in the ring for sure. Yeah, I like Billings. That's something likable about him. I, he he's not 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 that young. I mean, he's been around for a little while. You know, it's probably a a good time for him to to be kind of thrust into the fold if, if he was ever going to be thrust in. So thirty, um, mate. It's thirty. Yeah, ancient. So it's, it's really, yeah, it's really. I mean, it's very. Yeah, it's, we're very much the same age group. So. It's the same age category as you, isn't he? Yeah, eighteen to thirty-six, <laughs> sixteen to thirty-nine, as it was in the. Uh, <laughs> someone's dropped down the other day. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is it as well. I mean, it's quite nice. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this, you know, first ever Ashes test in Hobart. Yeah, I, I suppose of all the Australian grounds, you know, the most English-like, it will be kind of, you know, in, in, in Tasmania will probably, it will suit England that bit more. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's, again, as a, as a one-off test match, it, there's enough to be intrigued and uh, to look forward to about this, I think. How do you think Australia will be feeling? How how disappointed will they be to have to have let five nil slip? They didn't seem all that bothered, uh, actually, did they? <laughs> they were very, yeah, I, all very laughy and jokey at the end. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of irrelevant, I suppose, for them at this point. It, I mean, if it had been the sort of the first five nil, 
uh, you know, as it was a few years ago. Um, but having done it twice, basically, having done it twice in the last 15 years, like, do they need to do it again? I don't know. Is there, is there much, much extra kudos to be gained out of that? Not that obviously not that they weren't looking to win the match, and of course they would have wanted to win five nil. But yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, it, it, they've they've barely broken a sweat to to get into this position. So yeah, they've 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 done what they set out to do already. They've proved their point, and also they completely dominated the game. So yeah, it's, it's not like England kind of roared yeah. back and and maybe made people think, oh, actually, really changed the narrative here. It's just England just barely clung on <laughs> thanks to the weather yeah. to some extent I mean obviously I mean, that's they, sorry, that's oh. they, I mean they couldn't really have done much more could they I mean obviously like Kawaja um, yeah was was magnificent Cameron Green uh, did well yeah for the bowlers Scott Boland kind of followed up his first test with, with a few more wickets and looked really good um, Pat Cummins looked exceptional again he seems pretty happy with life, Pat Cummins, doesn't he? And, and He's had a pretty good winter. Good luck to him. Scott Boland, as you say, sensational start to test cricket, continuing. I think he's averaging eight or nine with the ball so far. <laughs> Fairly remarkable. You know, we we wondered whether he, he might just be a one-test wonder, but um, they picked him again and, and that's paid off. And suddenly it's like, it's going to be a hard decision when Josh Hazelwood comes back. Um I mean, he just he just bowls the right length in these conditions, Scott Bowden, doesn't he? And he just keeps running up and bowling that that length, that line and length, and it is, it's just a real handful. Kawaja, as you say, clearly the, the the standout performer there. He was the player of the match. Unexpected opportunity to come in after Travis Head got COVID. I mean, hard to think really that he could have played any better. And when he when he bats like that, he's great to watch. And I, I said I said on Ashes Daily Tone that I want you know I wondered whether. It was still it was possible that Kawadra wouldn't play the next test that he might never play for Australia again, and that is still possible. But I, I I'm starting I'm coming around to the idea that perhaps he could yet have an important role to play for Australia. I mean, firstly, the, the, the fact he got that second hundred it's it's very very hard to leave him out now, isn't it? And I I, I would think that he's going to open in Hobart and they'll leave out Marcus Harris. But yes, I do think that he could have something to do for Australia. Obviously he's, he's 35, he's ancient tone. And so you sort of think like looking to the future is Kawaja a big part of that? Is it time to, you know, will Australia be thinking actually, you know, thanks very much, Uzi, but we're going to look to some younger guys, but actually, you know, Australia's focus now is turning towards their assignments on the subcontinent. And they've got three coming up in the next 12 months or in the next eight months, they're going to, Pakistan in March, they're going to Sri Lanka in June, and they're going to India in September. If they want to be known as a great team, they're going to have to win in Asia, aren't they? I mean, that's that's the kind of big challenge. They're kind of white whale now, isn't it? So, And Kawaja is an excellent player of spin, isn't he? And he's got a really good record in Asia. He played that remarkable innings, very memorable innings in the UAE a few years ago. So you'd think, you know, we're not talking about two, three, four years down the line. We're talking about this year you feel like actually, yeah, he he could be quite a big, important part of that plan. Yeah, it's a pretty neat trick, isn't it, to play just to sort of come out of, well, out of nowhere, but to, to to sort of just drop in, drop in on the boys and and yeah, knock out a couple of tons. Yeah, you can't drop him, surely you can't. Still not that much from Warner or Smith in this series. Smith averaging thirty six. 
after four tests. I mean, if you told me before the series that Steve Smith would average 36, I'd have thought, well, England England will be well in the series then. So in some ways, it's one of the most disappointing things from an English <laughs> perspective, you know, given how completely Steve Smith dominated the last couple of Ashes series. The fact they've kept him pretty quiet and yet still been completely decimated. I suppose it makes you wonder how much worse could it have been if Smith had scored some double hundreds as well. Yeah, not much more worse than anything. I mean, there we will. I will do a full kind of a full um, post mortem, won't we? After the uh, the final test, because yeah, Smith will probably go and bang two hundred now in Hobart, and Scott Boland will bowl like naught for one hundred and fifteen or something. And that's yeah, true. So back to back to where you were. A couple of ducks for Kawaja. And off they go into the sunset. What are you expecting in Hobart then, Tone? What do you think is going to happen? Can England do anything? Um, it's a good question, isn't it? I, don't know. I mean, you'd think they'll they'll be yeah they'll be some they'll be buoyed by this result clearly and buoyed by that final day performance I mean, not by a result but by the final day performance. Um, but then you throw into the recipe the kind of the disruption for the injuries and everything and I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm not. I, I won't be going with any expectations. I'll just enjoy whatever positives we can find. Will we be doing Ashes daily? That's the big question, isn't it? That's is the big question. Well, I'm ready if you are. We just want another another crack at hosting, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, do. and editing. Let's just do do work reassure daily going forward. <laughs> yeah, I think it does say on our uh, Apple Podcast profile, whatever you call it. It does now say updated daily, which is quite a turnaround I mean yeah if you'd shown us that a few years ago we'd have uh, <laughs> we'd have been yeah, rubbing our eyes yeah well a couple of months ago it said updated sporadically <laughs> <laughs> I mean that to be fair that is probably the story of the ashes isn't it to go from sporadically to daily is uh, you know that's a real return to form All right, Tim, well, we've been uh, rabbiting on for ages uh, about the Ashes there, but the big story in the world of cricket this week has been a, a test match that took place across the Tasman Sea from Australia in New Zealand. Uh, a two-test series going on between New Zealand and Bangladesh. And quite astonishingly, the first test was won by Bangladesh. The Kiwis batted first in Mount Monganui and made 328, but Bangladesh responded with 458 uh, with a couple of 80s from Lytton Das and Mominal Hack. They then bowled New Zealand out for 169, reducing them from 136 for two. They lost their last eight wickets there for just 33 runs. Ebidot Hussain taking six for 46. That set Bangladesh a target of just 40, and they knocked it off with eight wickets in hand. So they won the game tone. And this is a pretty remarkable result because... Well, New Zealand are arguably the best team in the world. They're certainly the world test champions. And they're a truly formidable side at home. It's the first time Bangladesh have ever beaten New Zealand in test cricket. It's actually their first win in any format in New Zealand. They've never won a game of cricket in New Zealand before. I think it's the 32nd or 33rd attempt. Um, It's their first away test win anywhere other than the Caribbean, Zimbabwe or Sri Lanka. And yeah, the New Zealand do have this uh, quite extraordinary record at home. So Bangladesh here, the first Asian side to win a test in New Zealand since 2011. That's a, a, a sequence of 21 tests. And it brings to an end a 17-match unbeaten home run for New Zealand. And it also means that their 
eight series winning run has come to an end. Now, it's important to say that normal service was resumed in the second test uh, in Christchurch, which has just come to an end. Uh, New Zealand with a very big win there uh, by an innings and 117 runs after bowling Bangladesh out for 126 and then 278 following on to their 521 for six declared massive 100 from Tom Latham. So, you know, the, the series finished all square and it yeah felt much more like the kind of thing we might have expected in that second game. But you can't take the first test away from Bangladesh. Probably fair to say that we wouldn't have predicted that result, Tony. Um, as far as test shocks go, is this up there? <laughs> it's definitely up there, isn't it? I don't know. You, you've presumably done your research and, and actually written down some other other comparable test shocks. No, I haven't. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't really think of anything to compare in recent years. Um, I suppose actually some other victories for Bangladesh, you know, when they, they beat England at home in 2016, they beat Australia at home in 2017. Actually, another game involving Bangladesh when Afghanistan beat Bangladesh. But I don't, I, I'd say this is, this is bigger than those, just, just the fact that it's, you know, in New Zealand, it, you know, India don't win in New Zealand. Uh, the, no one, no one has won in New Zealand for a long time. It's it's an incredibly difficult place to go against an incredibly good team. I mean, all right, they didn't have Kane Williamson in this series. I mean, well, it's important to say, like Bangladesh are not the Bangladesh of ten years ago or certainly twenty years ago. You know, they are they're a decent outfit now, aren't they? With with some world class players, and you know, they haven't won very many Test matches of late, uh, and and they're clearly uh, much more comfortable in subcontinent conditions than anywhere else and more so than they'd be in New Zealand. But, you know, this is a this is a, a decent side. But given how dominant New Zealand are at home, it's, you know, it's an it's impressive and very rare for any team to beat them. So, yeah, I think you can't really give Bangladesh enough credit. And it, it's just a very surprising result. You know, you just, it, it, it's kind of hard to explain, really. What do they need for? The tie was 40, wasn't it, in that second mm. innings? I mean, they, they really got on top of, um, of New Zealand, as you say, to bowl them out for 169. Uh, yeah, I th- I things did come crashing down to us somewhat in the second test, but yeah, for them to go away, yeah, to, to be leaving the um, the World Test Champions, uh, yeah, with a test victory is is, is pretty awesome. And I, I think as well, like as, as much as Bangladesh have progressed, it is they are still they're still popular winners, or they're, they're still very popular in these kind of moments. Um, See, like they won the under nineteen World Cup, didn't they, a few years ago? Uh, yeah, I think people still like to see Bangladesh, yeah, making this kind of progress and achieving these kind of results. And yeah, hopefully they can go, yeah, go on and build on it. The second test in Christchurch was Ross Taylor's last test. Um, he's retiring from cricket as New Zealand's leading run scorer in tests and uh, and leading all format century maker. I haven't really got a question for you, Tom. Just he's a great player, isn't he? Great player, Ross Taylor. Possibly never quite got the acclaim that he deserves. Maybe because he was, you know, because I, I don't know that that he wouldn't necessarily. Perhaps in New Zealand he would, but for us, I don't know if he'd necessarily like how high up the list would he be in terms of best players of this era. But actually, his record is pretty phenomenal, and I wonder if it's just because he was like perpetually in the shadow. Or first Brendan McCullum and then Kane Williamson, you know, for 
for pretty much all of his career, he's only been New Zealand's second best batsman. Um, it's just he's he's done that twice. It was first McCullum and and then Williamson. But you know he's 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 been there a long time and he's played some phenomenal innings and yeah has ended up with a a pretty remarkable record. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, was it 112 tests, 19 centuries, 233 ODIs, 21 centuries, um, 51 50s. Yeah, an average of 48 in in ODI cricket. He's one of those players, I suppose, that it feels like he's always been there for yeah. for for us. I don't know. He's, he, yeah, he's a definite a sort of era defining cricketer for sure. Well, yeah, I think Barney Roney at, at the Guardian, uh, Barney Roney said a while ago on Twitter, and, you know, it feels like every game of cricket I've watched in the last 15 years, Ross Taylor's been playing. And it's uh, <laughs> yeah. there is some truth in that. But yeah, just, I mean, some incredibly memorable innings over the years is uh, 290 at the Wacker in 2015, 150 against England at Old Trafford. This is going back where in 2008 was a pretty remarkable innings. And one that stands out for me is an ODI 100 that he scored against Pakistan in Palakeli at the 2011 World Cup. Just, I was watching the, uh, the highlights of that on YouTube yesterday. Good way of spending my time. But, you know, I was just thinking about Ross Taylor. And uh, <laughs> like when he was at his best in ODIs, he was, it just brutal. It just kind of just wielding the bat like a club tone. You know, it's just, it was yeah. like... And, and just absolutely dispatching over mid-wicket. Um, like they just, no one knew how to bowl to him when he was in that kind of form. Yeah, yeah, he was he was destructive for sure. Um, and there were some nice moments, obviously, in this test match. Uh, the guard of honour he got from Bangladesh when he came out to bat was pretty special. Um, and a nice, uh, yeah, nice moment. And then, yeah, he, he finished the game off, didn't he? He picked up the final wicket, the third test wicket. Um to win the game so when were his first two that's a good question I don't remember that Um, uh, so that was you know that was obviously a very nice way to finish I I do enjoyed the commentary as well the Kiwi commentary um, saying yeah Taylor the pits I can't you can can do it well I don't know what you're going to say I can't do the act I don't know why I've gone down this way no go on (laughs) give it a go (laughs) go on just say it was absolutely hectic and they said, I think the commentator said he's getting something like lots of pats from his teammates. Lots of pits. Yeah. On the, the big. Pits on the big. Um, so that was, a, yeah, that was obviously a pretty, pretty cool way to finish for him. So, um, yeah, congratulations, Ross. He, fu- he finished with a wicket. We're running out of time here a bit, Tony. So I think perhaps we're going to let's talk about South Africa, India in depth next time. Obviously, there's a massive game in Cape Town coming up. Fascinating first couple of tests in that series. India winning the first, South Africa bouncing back to win the second. Dean Elgar, the captain, says that this third test, deciding test, uh, is the biggest game South Africa have played in 10 or 15 years. I think there's probably some truth in that. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's talk about it properly. Let's talk about the series as a whole next time because I think that is going to be your lot for the World Cricket Show this time. Have you enjoyed this one too? Yeah, it's been good. It's been fun. It'd be nice to do this in person again at some point. Yeah, I'm trying to sort of keep you at arm's length. Yeah, I haven't actually seen you for ages, but I'm pretty All sure right, you're so seeing other people. <laughs> uh, I just think we, yeah, until we can get back on the beach, I think we just, you know, we, <laughs> we, we keep it in this. No, let's do the next one in person. We'll do the series review in person. Well, we're going to do Ashes Daily in Hobart. 
in Hobart. Well, yeah, <laughs> not not in Hobart, live from Hobart. Well, I don't know, Tone, it's not too late. Um, yeah, so we'll do Ashes Daily from Hobart and then we, we'll take it from there, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll head straight to the phone box on Friday morning. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm very much anticipating your composite 11 at the end of this series. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've got, you know, like that uh, meme from Always Sunny in Philadelphia with Charlie Day and the all the notes on the on the wall. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's what yeah. it's like. That's what it's like with my composite eleven at the moment. I've been, I've been working on it for weeks. <laughs> Just crunching the numbers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we'll be back with Ashes Daily and then a full review of the test and the series after that. But between now and then, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, do get involved on social media or send us an email. You can reach us at worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you enjoy the show, uh, then do consider leaving a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you use. But that is going to be it, I think. Cheers, Tone. You made it yeah, through. Yeah, cheers, mate. Take the rest of the night off. Thanks, mate. It's been, I feel like I've been on Ashes tour. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's been a long one, hasn't it? It's been a... It's been a, yeah, it's been a yeah, it's been a top effort from us. <laughs> it's been exhausting. I want to blow our own trumpets. Um, catch you, uh, catch you in Tasmania then, in Tassie. I'll see you in Tassie, mate. <laughs> Shall I just do? Uh, bring back the accents. We brought back Tony's weekend, and now uh, just me doing accent, sort of borderline offensive accents. Stay in school, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay. It happens to us all. It happens to us all. Each day, each year, year, year. Not to smell your fear. Ba da da ba ba, ba da da ba ba.